Welcome to All for Business Podcast, hosted by the Lynchburg Regional Business Alliance. Our goal with this show is to gather leaders from across the Lynchburg region in one place to talk about business, leadership, how our guests have found themselves here today, and much, much more. So pop in your headphones, turn the volume up, and get ready. This is All for Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our next podcast. Uh, we're for at the Lynchburg Region Business Alliance All for Business podcast. And today, our guest is Kelly Mark, who is the publisher of the News in Advance, and I'm Chad Nunn, your host. And I work with Ryan Weeks, who's behind the camera and the microphone, taping this, and we've introduced ourselves. So, Kelly, welcome. Well, thank you, Chad. Glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I've known, I've known you for a few years since you've been here. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't really know your whole story. I know you've, yeah. like, you've been all over the Midwest and yeah. in a lot of cities, and now you're in Lynchburg. Yeah. Tell me where you were born and about your parents and stuff like sure. that. Sure, sure. Uh, born and raised in Wellington, Kansas. Um, graduated from the University of Kansas. Yeah. So spent a long time in the state of Kansas. You're a Jayhawk fan. Jayhawk, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Right. So it, um, uh, Obviously, spent a lot of time in Kansas. Uh, we uh, were we grew up in Wellington, Kansas. I have a brother and uh, where is what, what is Wellington? Where is it? Wellington's about thirty miles south of Wichita, okay. and Wichita is pretty much in the south central part of the state. We're not we weren't that far from the Oklahoma border as well. Okay, and Wellington was a town of eight thousand, primarily driven by agriculture. And there was some spinoff of aviation because Wichita is such a strong aviation hub. Yeah. Uh, but my folks, uh, my mom was the assistant uh, city clerk, deputy city clerk of the city of Wellington. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, an elected position there. Uh, my father worked for the state of Kansas on the uh, driver's license side of things. So, right. uh, and my my brother lives in Dodge City, uh-huh. and my sister, uh, who uh, uh, she passed away. About a year ago, uh, had a couple of bouts with cancer and uh, pancreatic cancer. No, I'm sorry. Got the best of her. Thank you. Yeah, that's a tough disease to have. Not it is. is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what did you do growing up in high school? I mean, what did you play sports? Did you anything special that you like to do? Did you run into school newspaper or stuff like that? <laughs> I was on the yearbook staff. Um, I, uh, as far as sports goes, I was on the golf team. Yeah. And in, in junior high, middle school, you know, everyone played everything. So, yeah. but the, as I got into high school, although it was a town of only 8,000 people, the high school was maybe 500. Yeah. Uh, I, I only played golf. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a small town too, so you know everybody. Yes. Everybody knew you. Yep. Absolutely. Well, after you finished, you know, college in Kansas, what did you go into as far as what was your first job? <laughs> My first job was at the Wichita Eagle. And, uh, I responded to an ad for agribusiness advertising. And so my beat, if you would, uh, or my sales list would be implement dealers, livestock uh, auction places. And uh, uh, I didn't know whether to wear a suit or a (laughs) pair of overalls to the clients. So did you know you always wanted to get into that kind of business or you just just get and start? What drove you to that? Actually, what drove me to that is that, you know, during my uh, final couple of years in college yeah. and during the summer, I was uh, in the commodities, uh, trying to play the commodities business. So right. I, I had this uh, 
Uh, with commodities, it's grains, and precious metals, and things like that. So with the grains and the livestock, it really intrigued me on the agribusiness side of things. Okay. And I realized quickly that commodity trading was much too risk for my blood. And uh, plus, I wasn't capitalized enough to really invest in that. So went on to agribusiness advertising. So you were interested in agribusiness more than newspaper. Right. right. So how did that morph after that? It, when I got into that business um, with the Wichita Eagle, I quickly found that when I'm calling on an implement dealer in Dodge City, Kansas, or that they, at that point in time, they wanted a much more targeted audience. In other words, they want to reach farmers. They didn't really want to reach Charles Koch in Wichita. They they didn't need the city subscribers. So um, it made me realize to either get into more of a target advertising approach or to get into more of a general advertising Feel right. within the newspaper business, uh-huh. and I took the ladder. So, and then what happened after that? After that, I got into management, sales mm-hmm. management at the Wichita Eagle. And uh, working at a newspaper is, I, I often compare it to almost like a football coach, is an example that if you want to move up, you really had to move out because typically there was one newspaper in, yeah. in the city, right, or one football team if you're the coach, right. And so uh, I got in with a Knight Ritter owned the Wichita Eagle. After that, McClatchy bought Knight Ritter. Anyway, moved around a lot within Knight Ritter from one sales management to a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Lived in some great places, Boulder, right. Colorado, uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, Wichita. Really cool places to, to live. Columbia, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. We lived, we lived all over. Yep. How long have you been here now? Uh, almost four years. Okay. So you you uh, you did, you were in the sales side and in the uh, in the uh, management side. You never really were in the reporter side, right? You didn't write articles and all that kind of stuff, right? Although the University of Kansas had a, a renowned William Allen White School of Journalism, yeah. I didn't study journalism in school. And in fact, that uh, over you know three plus decades, I I picked up on it pretty quickly and. Uh, and really appreciate it on the newspaper side of things. I mean, it's a church and state between news and, and advertising. They're yeah. Separate entities. Yeah. Well, um, where were you right before you came here? I was the president and publisher of the Wichita Eagle, okay. Wichita, Kansas. In an ironic twist, um, I went back to the very first place that I was. And uh, in a kind of a uh, uncomfortable commute, uh, we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. So I was traveling back and forth to Wichita with the plans that we would move there. And uh, it was like going back home. Yeah, it was going back home. In fact, that was kind of the story. Um, my parents are deceased, uh, so I was going back to my sister was alive at right. the time. My brother was there. A lot of college friends still live there. And uh, But as fate and things have it, uh, we really like this side of the country. And this particular job I'm in, it was owned by a company that I also worked for for quite some time. So right. I was recruited to come to Lynchburg. And so it was moved to Wichita. Mm-hmm. And I had a daughter. She's currently a junior in high school. Yeah. Uh, move her at a difficult age, which at that point, I think she was entering ninth grade. I did the same thing. I moved to Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. So, uh, but that's that's how I ended up here. We decided to come here instead of Wichita. What attracts you to Lynchburg? would make this make your decision to come here when you got other opportunities. 
first of all, the company was the, the initial draw. I mean, it was pretty glamorous to say, hey, I work for Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. A lot of media companies have been challenged throughout the last several years, and uh, it was it was glamorous and glorious, if you will say. I worked for Berkshire Hathaway, right. and the philosophy was there that uh, uh, that they were not going to take any shortcuts on getting things done. But really, at the ultimate uh, decision, it was the people that recruited me here, and also some of the people that had this job before I got into it. Right. Okay. When you uh, Look at your career. Have you, have you run into people who give, have given you words of encouragement that you wouldn't have gone there if you hadn't been giving you some help or mentor to you? Anybody that stands out or any group of people? Yeah, there, there's a couple of, of people who really stood out. And uh, a couple of messages that I received in my, in my career. One of them was, look, you, you have good ideas. You know what's going on. Your intuition's right on. But oftentimes, not everyone knows about it. Yeah. So I had to get nudged on occasion to, to really get my ideas out there and state my position. Right. The other thing is, and this is speak up and be vulnerable. Because, I mean, there you go. Right. There you go. We went through, while well, with Knight Ritter, we went through this fortune, these Fortune 100 psychiatrists, psychologists. They analyzed this in a business setting. Afterwards, we got feedback, mm-hmm. both in writing and personal. It, right. was, it was difficult because all of us, they wanted to shape us, almost like I, I'm not in the service as my son's a Marine. Yeah. Uh, they try to shape you to be the sort of leader that they want. And it was it was difficult. So pushing those ideas, getting those out. But then also one person told me, he said, uh, on a couple of different occasions, he said a couple of different things. He said, first of all, there's two people that matter. It's you and your father. Yeah. So you don't really need to to worry about everything else, right? Yeah. And uh, the other thing he said is like, don't ever leave if you're going to leave a company or leave a job. Don't leave because it's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Only leave if it's a great opportunity on the other side, right? And although I struggle with that on occasion, thinking about that, I in most cases he was dead on. That's interesting. Okay. What? Um, if you if you um, have any particular leadership philosophy that you follow, do you have mm-hmm. something that sort of this is who Kelly Murray is? This is how I lead. They know that's where they're going to get when I show up. Yeah. Yeah, be, yes, I um, I've tried very hard to become the, the best leader I can be mm-hmm. uh, because I think at the end of the day, it's really people that make a difference, right. and. You want people who want to do what you're asking them to do. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a variety of ways to get there. But I think communication is almost at the, at the top of the list. And what I mean by that is that constantly communicate, keep people informed, be a good listener. Also, I think people, when they come to work, empower them. I mean, you know, there's certain rules, regulations, policies, things like that. But instead of like back in the day, and again, being in Right, around for three plus decades, you know, once upon a time you check your brain at the door yeah. and come in and everybody's going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Those days are gone. Right. The, the uh, patriarchal sort of top-down organizations have, have not worked, right? And they certainly wouldn't work today. So it's, it's really empower people to do the job. And it's kind of that old adage, you know, ask for 
forgiveness rather than permission. Right. Yeah. Or and, and myself, I'd rather say whoa than go. Right. right. So um, give people the tools to do their job and communicate well with them. Uh, be someone that they can trust. In other words, your word has to be a good right. word. Right. They have to be able to trust you. They have to realize what you say is is the communication from the entire company. And and also to praise them. You know, a lot of people, everyone's, you know, I think the most part of people say they're driven by money. Right? Yeah. But also recognition, just being able to be recognized. Like, gosh, yeah. you did a great job. Yeah. And uh, those sort of things go, go a long way. And I think that's what builds a strong leader. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you, you talked about when I when I work with companies, you know, the biggest problem they say is nobody communicates with us. Right. So we can't do enough communication. Communication is much is as much listening as it is telling. Mm-hmm. He also told me you empower people mm-hmm. to, to allow them to do their job. I had people come to me with ideas. I remember years ago when I first went into leadership as a physician, person reported me said, I think we need to hook up to the internet. So why do we need to do this? So you've got to be open right. to other people's ideas and just have a rough framework. So you think it's got to run with it. Let's see what happens. Right. So I mean I and, and the other thing when you mentioned uh, recognize people, I think of Mary Kay Ash, Mary Kay Cosmetics. Yeah. Cosmetics. She said everybody's got a sign from her that says, make me feel important. Mm-hmm. So that's your job is to make everybody that works for you feel important, absolutely, and, and well received. Um what what advice, you know, looking at your career, uh, what advice would you have for a young person that wants to get into the journalism or uh, or in the newspaper business? What it's a completely different world. We'll talk about that in a minute, sure. But tell me what advice do you give somebody right now? Sure. The advice that I would give a student right now is that when you write, even an opinion piece, yeah, um, our job, I believe, is to to inform readers. And then let them make the decision. Yeah. In other words, if there's a certain story or there's a certain topic or whatever the case may be, again, whether it's a news story or an opinion piece in the newspaper, write it in the sense that you're you're not really taking a side on this, but you're informing the readers to where they can make a decision. And and not to get caught up because obviously the the country's divided right now, mm-hmm. and especially on the, the political side of things. And when, you know, when you're watching a story on CNN, it's different than Fox News. Yeah. And so I would rather be down the right. middle, tell, tell the story as it is, as opposed to having an opinion. That's what I'm trying to do with these podcasts. Is, you know, who I interview, I interview people from both sides of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. both sides of, of race issues, of city county issues, all those kind of things, all the usual conflict points. I'm right. trying to, okay, all right, where are we in the middle here? Right. Right. Let's take a break right now. And in a second, we're going to come back and we'll talk about the newspaper business. Okay. But it's been tremendously affected by technology sure. and what's happening today. I want to see where you, where we were, how we've progressed, and where you think we're going to go. Absolutely. Okay. Sounds so good. Stick with us. We'll be right back with you. Welcome back. I'm Chelman, your host. I'm talking with Kelly Murphy, the publisher of the News in Advance. We're going to get into some uh, specific talk about newspapers. From 2004 to 2019, we have lost 2,000 newspapers in this country. Mm-hmm. And there are 200 counties in the United States that have no paper and are called news deserts. Yeah. Where there's no paper, less people vote, 
or run for office and don't know the candidates. But what risk is there in a community without a newspaper growing up just with a whole of people accountable? So let's talk about the risk first. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about the why this is happening. Yeah. It's it's significant. Yeah. Um, as an example, someone needs to hold people accountable in the sense of like how are our tax dollars being spent? Well, we, I'm the city, uh, we just had a real estate um, right. uh, tax increase. Mm-hmm. And so with with those dollars, if someone's not holding folks accountable on where those dollars are being spent, then right. we don't we don't know what's going on. Right. But also on the political side of things as well, just keeping people, for lack of a better word, in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in those news deserts, and there's been significant studies being done in those particular markets, and you alluded to it, that things deteriorate. Yeah. Uh, there's a loss of interest, there's almost a loss of the community. And on the accountability side, as I mentioned, if, if someone's not watching after that, then no one's obviously watching after right. right. Well, tell me what's happened specifically here with News in Advance. Sure. I mean, give us a little history and how it, you know, you know, pitch yeah. down down about circulation, those kind of things. Tell us a little bit about Yeah. It. Well, the News in Advance, uh, we distribute content a variety of different ways, uh, primarily through newsinvance.com and also the, the printed version that's being delivered. We also have a variety of other products right. that, that go out as well. But over the last, I mean, once upon a time, the greatest challenge that we had, as an example, did we have enough newsprint in right. the basement to print the Thanksgiving Day paper? Yeah. Well, the paper was so big, if that. there was an errant throw yeah. and there was a small dog in the way, yes. it could be a, it could be catastrophe for the, for the pet. Um, our competitors back then, and the internet's been around for quite a long time, mm-hmm. but when I first started in this business, it was primarily used in the library or mm-hmm. Or yeah, World War II, they're using it as a communication device. Right. Like that uh, example I gave of live, live internet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That long ago. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. the fact is, is that it was not used as a marketing tool. And so the competition back in the day, primarily television stations, uh, radio stations, direct mail, even uh, you know telephone book, the yellow pages yeah. was, a, was a pretty significant right. piece of, of advertising that. Well, now we compete with Google and Amazon and Facebook. Yeah. We compete with these behemoths, and they saw where the money was, and so they went in and they built solutions that really have harmed a lot of local newspapers. Right. So newspapers may be either slow to react and or the fact that these technology companies were, were so sophisticated in their approach has created these what you call news deserts, right. to where in these particular markets, uh, these newspapers can't make enough money to, to fund the operation. Right. In our case, and in most, either in most markets that are this size or owned by a, a larger company, um, that's not the case. Uh-huh. If, if I'm a mom and pop, and if I've been in the business for quite some time, I've been okay. Right. I've been able to, if I'm prudent about, right, you don't have any expense, expenses are up. Right, yeah. right. But if I've recently bought something and I'm not capitalized, uh, it's it can be difficult in the smaller markets to cash flow positive. Right. And I think that's what you've seen the result of some of the small markets. I pull this out because this is how my kids look at the newspaper. Right. I've at least moved to looking at the paper version online. 
Right. You know, which I, I, I got so used to the paper version. Right. And uh, I still think about people riding in the train. You're in the New York City, you don't have a paper folder like that and right. like that. So, but now they're, they're doing that. Right. Um, so, what, what was that print circulation 10 years ago to where it is today? Well, yeah, 10 years ago, 35,000 copies, maybe 40,000 copies, uh, 10,000 copies printed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The interesting part is newsinadvance.com, we have about a half million unique visitors every month. Right. So, you know, when you look at those, what about regular visitors? How does it compare, you know, regular readers like me, Mm -hmm. uh, with the numbers print versus uh, digital, you count them up, do you know? Well, you mean in terms of bars? Like how many, how many eyeballs are you getting on the paper? Is it digitally or? Yeah, well, on the on the print side of things, each newspaper is technically read by more than one person. So uh, it's like almost two two people read each paper. So technically, there's twenty plus thousand readers to a newspaper every day on the print side of things. On the digital side of things, though, it's 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 higher. Yeah, it's significantly higher, and uh, so it's it's the direction that the, the yeah. society's yeah. taking us. Do you think they're spending as much time online looking and as in depth as you do on the paper side? You know, it's well, in you some cases, that. yeah, in some cases, yes, in some cases, no. In yeah. other words, uh, a lot of our print subscribers they'll call me and they read every. Yeah, and uh, they do every puzzle, and yeah. they read every comic, and, and that sort of thing. So there's some loyal readers on the print side of things. On the digital side of things, it's it's more of you know we mentioned that targeted approach. Um, someone in fact gave us kudos the other day that I know exactly where to go on my e edition of the News yeah. Advanced, yeah. and I can just thumb the pages, I can read the sports yeah. or whatever the case may be, yeah. and then I'm I'm off to something else. Right. In the past, your revenue was heavily dependent on classified wasn't it? Mm-hmm. and obituary and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is that revenue stream changed? It's, it's now more digital kind of ads and stuff. I didn't know how that yeah. plays out for you. Right. Um, on the revenue side of things, the interesting thing is, you know, the, on the print side of things, it's still a significant piece of revenue for a newspaper for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. You mentioned obituaries. Yeah. That's Typically, the the only spot. I mean, you go to funeral homes website, things like that. But in one collective area, that's where the obituaries are, and that makes it a popular piece of one of the most read pieces of paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, one of our mutual friends said that's the first thing he goes right. to, and he, he yeah. reads all those, see if he knows anyone. And um, but back on the revenue side of things, uh, the other piece that's that's interesting for a newspaper, and, and I was talking to. Um, another mutual friend of ours last weekend, and we were talking about when the newspaper arrives on Sunday, as an example, uh, some person, you know, maybe the, will grab a sports section. Someone mm-hmm. might grab name news in the family. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the target insert, as an example, it's the first thing that yeah. people go to. Yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, yeah. target recognizes. I go to the sports section now, and my wife went to some of those sections, and we had to fight over it. Right, yeah. right, right. So those pre-printed inserts are a significant portion of an advertising revenue stream for newspaper. I think you've had to trim your staff Mm -hmm. over the few years, so that's got to have been tough for you. Yeah, I mean, you you like hiring and growing, but rather than than what, how much have you had to decrease your staffing at the paper compared to where it was? 
you know, over over the last four years, we've reduced our staff in the ten percent range, mm-hmm. and some of it is is due to just the changing landscape of a, of a newspaper. Yeah. Um, in other words, uh, we need more technically uh, internet savvy, digitally focused, uh, innovative folks, as opposed to who and the way people learn now, at least from what I've been able to pick up on, people are very diverse in their skill sets and the technological age that we're in. In other words, they can do a lot of different things. Ambiguity doesn't seem to bother them. Right. As, as opposed to uh, if you were in the newspaper business and you had one certain way of doing things, uh, you were not trained or had the ability or the opportunity to kind of think outside the box. Yeah. Now we have to do that. Do you, do you think that... Um if you look at your local reporters, mm-hmm. I can remember when I came to town, there was a, there was Cynthia Peeper was the, uh, the healthy. Mm-hmm. She was interviewing us and talking to us about everything all the time. Well, you, now you don't have as much local reporting to, to delve into the health system like you did. I think, I think that's about all she did. Right. So how, if you look at your numbers of local reporters, how many do you have sort of made you think about that? Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we have seven local reporters. Some of the items, that, some of the beats that we deemed to be um, very, very important, as an example, City Hall. Yeah. So we have a reporter at City Council meetings mm-hmm. covering the tax mm-hmm. hike I was talking about. We also have a person who handles education. Uh, in addition to education, we have one person that typically just handles liberty. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a big newsmaker. Yeah. And uh, so one person that handles that. Sports programs are going over there. And yeah. Successful. Yeah. yeah. Prep yeah. sports and even, you know, over the weekend, like being sort of left, he's yeah. our liberty sports beat writer, but he was covering the, the golf tournament. Boots program. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, what do you think the future of the paper is here? It, and it's exciting. And some people, you know, oftentimes if I say, you know, they say, well, what do you do for a living? And I tell them, they're like, oh my God, I sure you're okay. You know, you lose your job. And yeah. The interesting thing is, it's almost that, and, and I've worked in newspapers in the heyday, you know, yeah. where, you know, it was a large newspaper. Now, we don't have those large newspapers. Yeah. But our digital audience mm-hmm. is such that the future is bright. And, I, and I'll just give you a couple of quick examples. Like companies and businesses globally, many of them will spend millions of dollars to drive traffic to their website. Right. And we get a half million visitors to our website every single month. We don't spend millions of dollars. Right. Now, we have a payroll of reporters and news gatherers, and that costs. Right. But we don't spend this enormous amount of advertising revenue or money to, to drive the audience. And so by default, we have all this traffic that's going to our site. It's first-party data that we're capitalizing on. Mm-hmm. In other words, if your interest is in healthcare news, we know your computer is interested in healthcare news. Right. Now, we want to try to get your email address, so we may right. say, child, you'd subscribe to this health newsletter. Right. Uh, and we wouldn't say, hey, child, we would say, hey, hey Mr. Or Mrs. Mm-hmm. Computer. Yeah. And so people would come to that. So we'll start serving our readers online like never before. We'll mm-hmm. treat readers like they want to be treated. Yeah. Now, that won't stop. Like if you are interested in health care news, but you also want to read about sports and let's say we don't know that as much, you still have that opportunity. Right. But it's, it, 
it's a bright future. Right? You see an opportunity to expand and grow and have more readers. Yes. More contact. Absolutely. Maybe brief for a little bit of here and there, but you can figure out how to focus on that. You can see it, Tom. Yes. So, yeah. And you think the advertising dollars are there to help support you doing this to mm-hmm. support local reporting and things like yeah. that? Well, that, that's the other mm-hmm. beauty of uh, when Berkshire Hathaway did sell our company to Lee Enterprises, our digital aptitude and acumen just went through the roof. Yeah. There's not one company, in fact, there are things we, we can do for the business life, for right. example. It's not just retail or car dealers or grocery stores. We can help anyone with their digital solutions. Okay. But, you know, there's some papers, uh, like the Burlington Free Press in Vermont, has, has greatly declined. And it's a newspaper called Seven Days in Vermont, these nonprofit mm-hmm. kind of, they give them out free. Right. But you see, what's the going on there? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of nonprofits. There's a lot of newspapers that become 501. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The traditional one is in, in Tampa, St. Pete. Pointer Institute, only that, but there's others that have cropped up, like in these news deserts, as an example. People don't want to see newspapers leave. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of our local state senators told me, he said, We don't always agree with what you're doing, right. but we're rooting for you. We yeah. don't, we want you to survive. Right. And so uh, that's the sort of, that's the sort of, uh, feel that we get from the marketplace. So I see your your future, you're investing in digital and, 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 and technology. You're not going to buy more printing presses to fill up a whole building, are you? Right. Um, it's you, got, uh, you got a big new one over there, you call it, what, 10 years ago or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. Made a huge investment. We we print seven daily newspapers right now. We have a big commercial printing outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're now printing a lot of the commercial print work that came out of Fredericksburg, another city, uh, sister newspaper writer. So it's still a big portion of our business. Will we invest in adding another tower to the press? No. But will we maintain it and make sure that it's the best in the region? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you've been in Lynchburg four years now. Are you glad you came? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, lo- we love it here. And uh, what do you like to do when you're not working? Well, I like to play golf. I... Uh, uh, and we're fortunate to have nice golf courses in this region, but like to play golf. Um, you know, this last year, a lot of things changed. The year before that, I would uh, enjoy watching my daughter swim. And uh, now I have my wife convinced to play golf. So we're uh, we're all doing something following each other around. You know, we haven't talked much about COVID. Did that affect your business much at all? Yeah, significantly. In fact, uh, last April is really when it hit. Uh, although, you know, the signs were before that. Um, April, our business is about 45% below the prior year. Now, the reversal, we haven't recouped everything, but we're significantly up over last year. Right. Uh, so it it hurts on the revenue side, but the audience just went through the roof. Right. Yeah. And there is a way to monetize, you know, the more readers that you have to your digital platform. Okay. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Have a chat with me. Yeah. And uh, I would encourage everybody to subscribe to the news in advance. Thank you. It's a local source of news. I read it cover to cover every day. And uh, I think it's very important for our reason we support them and subscribe to it because we need accountability and we need information. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Joe.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of All for Business podcast, hosted by the Lynchburg Regional Business Alliance. The Alliance is a Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Organization serving the Lynchburg region and over 750 member organizations. Learn more about what we do in our other programs, please visit lynchburgregion.org. See you next time.